behind the theater. You know where the theater is, don't you? I'd stuck in my thumb and pulled out a plum. It was early June and the temperature was already soaring into the high eighties. The kitchen was a sweat at any time. A greencoat's job, on the other hand, had to be the prized option. I didn't know too much about it, but I guessed you organized the bathing bell parade beside the swimming pool. You got to walk around in the fresh air and fraternize with the holidaymakers. To get to the laundry room, I had to pass between a little white caravan and a beautifully kempt bowling green. Despite the drought regulations, a sprinkler ticked away, keeping the grass green. Outside the caravan was a professionally painted billboard with a picture of an open palm bearing occult lines and numbers. The billboard advertised the services of one Madame Rosa, as seen on TV, palmist and fortune-teller to the stars. I didn't think I'd ever seen anyone called Madame Rosa on TV. But the carnival stopped there, and the laundry room was a soulless breeze-block construction behind the offices, where Dot, a stressed and rather grouchy woman with grey roots under her thinning bleached hair, toiled away in clouds of billowing steam. I interrupted her in the act of pressing shirts with an industrial iron. I smiled and let her know I needed kitting out as a green coat. "'You?' she said. "'Maybe,' I blinked. She seemed to be able to focus one eye on me while keeping the other eye on her work. You could cut your hair and smarten yourself up a bit. I bit my lip as she unearthed a set of whites for me, trousers and shirts, plus a green sweater and a loud blazer, candy-striped green, white and red. She dumped them on the counter. The sizes were all hopelessly wrong, and I protested. Yeah, you tell them she said, turning back to her labours with the iron. The contraption made a huge hiss, and she retreated into her cave, behind a cloud of steam. Clutching my new clothes, I was directed to the staff chalets. I say chalets, with its suggestion of delightful beachside cabins, but they were just a row of shaky plasterboard rabbit hutches with a communal shower and toilets. It was all pretty basic. Each room had just enough space for two narrow cots with a gap of about eighteen inches between them and a pair of miraculously slim wardrobes. But I was happy to be by the seaside. It meant I didn't have to work with my stepdad. It was a job. It paid cash, folding. One of the beds was unmade and a couple of shirts hung on wire hangers in its frail partner wardrobe. It seemed I had a roommate, but aside from a whiff of stale tobacco, there were few clues to give me any hint about his character. I unpacked my few belongings and changed into the whites I'd been given. The trousers were baggy at the waist and long in the leg, the shirts at least one collar size too big. I had a sewing kit in my bag, something I thought I'd never need, so I turned up the trouser cuffs to shorten them, and though I didn't make a great job of the sewing, the cuffs stayed up. It left me baggy in the crotch, but I had a good belt to keep my trousers aloft. At least the candy-striped blazer was a rough fit. I gave myself the once-over in the mirror on the reverse of the door. I looked like a clown.
I tried out a show-busy greeting smile in the mirror. I scared myself with it. I'd been told to meet Pinky in the theatre. I passed through an impressive front of house built to emulate a West End playhouse with a plush foyer of red velvet fabrics and golden ropes. Billboards proclaimed a range of theatre acts with gilt-framed professional black-and-white headshots. One giant picture showed a wild-eyed man called Abdul Shazam in a tasseled red fez pointing his fingers at the camera in mesmeric fashion. His eyes followed me as I passed through giant doors leading into a hushed auditorium. I made my way down past the shadowed rows of red velvet seats to the front of the stage where I could see a small light illuminating an old-style Wurlitzer organ. The organ